0: Hello everyone and welcome to the podcast of English composer Andrew Downes. My name is Paula Downs. I am Andrew's younger daughter and on today's show I am delighted to welcome conductor Anthony Bradbury who has performed a large number of works by Andrew Downes and is a great family friend. We are very excited to have just released our recording of Andrew Downes' Celtic Rhapsody for Soprano and Symphony Orchestra with me singing my sister Anna Downes leading the Central England Camerata and Anthony Bradbury conducting. This has been a very special collaboration since the piece was originally written for me to sing with the Midland Youth Orchestra led by Anna Downes and conducted by Anthony Bradbury in 2002. So how did this come about in the first place? I was the leader of the Midland Youth Orchestra back in 1998 I remember noticing that previous leaders would often come back and play a concerto and I thought that was something I would like to do. At some point during my time at university I realised I wanted to be a singer and when I thought about what I could sing with a symphony orchestra as a light soprano I realised that I should ask my dad to write something. He loved the idea and thankfully so did Anthony Bradbury and also the chairman Stephen Williams and a piece was born. Here is the very special tribute Stephen Williams wrote in the programme.
1: That an internationally recognised composer should wish to write a work as a present for his local youth orchestra is indeed an astonishing and deeply gratifying gesture. In fact the connections between the Downs family and the MYO go back to the very beginnings of this orchestra. Frank Downs, father of Andrew, was the inspiration behind many of the MYO's early horn sections Frank taught horn playing to so many of those players covering, perhaps the first 20 years of the orchestra's history. Then, some four decades later, Frank's two granddaughters, Paula and Anna, both became violinists in the MYO. Each has had the opportunity to be leader of the orchestra, both very much on merit, and Anna, the current leader, has also been able to make an invaluable contribution to the health and well-being of the orchestra behind the scenes. Andrew, father of Anna and Paula, has been moved to give to the orchestra still more by composing Celtic Rhapsody for soprano and orchestra specially for it. His Celtic Rhapsody now links three generations of the Downs family to the Midland Youth Orchestra. It will be a great honour for all involved this evening that with Paula, the orchestra will bring its own work to life for the very first time. Andrew, on behalf of the MYO, I give you my heartfelt thanks.
0: Before I play movement one of Celtic Rhapsody, I am going to read out the poem. The Land Oversea, poem by unknown author from ancient Irish legend. Delightful is the land beyond all dreams, fairer than aught thine eyes have ever seen. There all the year the fruit is on the tree and all the year the bloom is on the flower. There with wild honey drip the forest trees, the stores of wine and mead shall never fail. Nor pain nor sickness knows the dweller there, death and decay come near him nevermore. The feast shall cloy not, nor the chase shall tire, nor music cease forever through the hall. The gold and jewels of the land of youth outshine all the splendours ever dreamed by man. Thou shalt have horses of the fairy breed, thou shalt have hounds that can outrun the wind. A hundred chiefs shall follow thee in war, a hundred maidens shall sing thee to thy sleep. A crown of sovereignty thy brow shall wear, and by thy side a magic blade shall hang. And thou shalt be a lord of all the land of youth and Lord of Niamh of the Head of Gold. Here is the first movement of Celtic Rhapsody for soprano and symphony orchestra, recorded in May 2019 by recording engineer Paul Baker. Thank you. The whole recording can be heard at andrewdowns.com where you can also purchase the sheet music either as a hard copy or as a digital download. And now to our guest, conductor Anthony Bradbury. Anthony Bradbury was born in Worcestershire, England and attended King Edward VI College, Stourbridge, where he played clarinet, piano and percussion with numerous orchestras, ensembles and wind bands. He continued his education at Brasenose College, Oxford University, where he graduated with an MA in Music. Whilst at Oxford, Anthony was awarded a scholarship to conduct the Brasenose Chapel Choir. In his formative years as a conductor, Anthony formed his own orchestra, the Clent Festival Chamber Orchestra. He then worked with the Midland Youth Orchestra. He is a former MYO player, first as associate conductor, then conductor, and finally its music director, where, with chairman Stephen Williams, he oversaw its metamorphosis into the exciting new CBSO Youth Orchestra. As well as now being on the CBSO Youth Orchestra's advisory committee, Anthony shared the conducting of its inaugural concert with former City of Birmingham Symphony Orchestra music director Sakari Oromo in October 2004 and returned to conduct the orchestra in October 2006, again with Sakari Oromo, in an all-Stravinsky concert as part of the CBSO's Igor Fest Stravinsky project, with the Sunday Times saying that Anthony drew a feisty performance from the excellent players. In addition to his work with the Youth Orchestra, Anthony also conducted the CBSO Strings in concert during the orchestra's overseas tour to Taiwan in 2013. For 15 years, Anthony also worked with Birmingham Festival Choral Society, which having been founded in 1843, is the longest established chorus still active in Birmingham. During this time he enjoyed a highly fruitful musical partnership with musical director Jeremy Patterson, first as his assistant and then associate conductor, before being appointed the choir's music director himself. Anthony is now conductor of the Central England Ensemble, an orchestra whose remit is to support the work of contemporary composers from the Midlands. He has also appeared as a guest conductor with a number of other organisations, including the Symphonia of Birmingham, the Birmingham Philharmonic Orchestra and the Professional Orchestra Central England Camerata. With these various groups, he has directed a number of premieres and second performances, including music by Ruth Birchmore, Andrew Downes and John Joubert. Other activities have included a BBC Radio 3 broadcast of three Christmas carols with Birmingham Festival Choral Society. Anthony has performed abroad in France, Belgium, Holland, Bulgaria, Germany, Poland, the Czech Republic, Canada, China and Taiwan. He is a member of the Association of British Choral Directors and a former executive board member of the National Association of Youth Orchestras. You can find out more at anthonybradbury.com. Without further ado, here is Anthony Bradbury. Hello Anthony, and welcome to our podcast. It is wonderful to have you on our show.
2: Great to be here Paula, thanks so much for inviting me.
0: Real pleasure. Could you begin by telling us how you got into music in the first place?
2: Yeah, well, I was very lucky because I come from a family of active amateur musicians, so no professionals in the family, but very keen and actually pretty good amateur musicians on both sides of the family, mainly pianists and singers. Right. And I've got wonderful early memories of singing around the piano from a young age. And I remember very colourful Christmases and visiting local houses and singing in choirs from a very early age. And then I started learning the piano at six and the clarinet from age 11 and it was nice. great to do the clarinet of course because then that got me into orchestras yeah. and then I started playing really from sort of 14, 15 onwards in uh, orchestras, symphonic wind bands and the like and of course singing in lots of choirs large and small and then I went on to read music at University Where actually there is where I caught the bug for conducting so I did a little bit of conducting in sick form but it was really at university where I started conducting properly and absolutely fell in love with it.
0: You were conducting the choir weren't you?
2: That's right yes so I was conducting the Brazenose Chapel Choir so I got a scholarship to do that which was great so I had a little stipend and that meant weekly rehearsals and it's a lovely, I mean, I know obviously you're Cambridge and know the choral tradition at Oxbridge is wonderful. And I have mm. to say it was a real privilege doing the Sunday services every week
3: yeah.
2: uh, and occasionally filling in for the organist when he was ill. I was never an organ scholar. Mm. I was only ever the conductor, but occasionally I used to play when one of our organists was ill or something. That was lovely. It was a great way to get into conducting, actually conducting a small choir.
0: That must have been amazing. How did you become conductor of the Midland Youth Orchestra?
2: So there's an interesting story because I actually joined the MYO as a player. So when I was at Sixth Form College in Starbridge, very lucky, it was a very active music department at that stage. And a number of the people at the, the Sixth Form College were members of the MYO. And they kind of twisted my arm and said, oh, there's a vacancy for clarinetists. Why don't you join? And I didn't think I'd be good enough. Somehow managed to <laughs> wing it through the uh, through the audition. Still to this day, I'm not quite sure how. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so I played just for the two years that I was in sixth form college. And then, of course, I went to university. But those two years playing for the MYO really, in a way, transformed my life because that was my first taste of a really good orchestra. And mm-hmm. uh, I kind of thought, you know, what orchestral playing and being involved in orchestral music was something I, I really felt that I wanted to do. So that's, I think, one of the things that got me into conducting when I was at university. And then it was just fortuitous timing when I left university literally a year after. I saw an advert in Classical Music magazine, and they were looking for an associate conductor. Uh, uh, So that opening doesn't come up very often. And I I applied um, amongst others and was very lucky to get that post. So that was 1991 I joined them. And actually it was... Lovely to go and conduct an orchestra I'd been a part of because I, yeah, you know, very connected with them right from the start.
0: Yeah, we were so lucky to have you.
2: Well, it was a great institution, wasn't it, Paula? I mean, we...
0: It really was. It was
2: a, it was it had a sort of family atmosphere, didn't it? But it also had high musical standards. It was kind of the best of both worlds, I always felt.
0: Yeah, it was very, very special. Thank you so much for that amazing experience.
2: Well, thank you for yours. I remember one of the highlights with you as leader was Contelube's Songs of the Avern with those terribly difficult vibes in solos and i I remember you doing them brilliantly in birmingham hall actually
0: yes that was very frightening i practiced (laughs) a lot for that (laughs) and can you tell us about your involvement with the music of andrew downs
2: yeah now that's interesting i'm actually trying to remember my earliest performance of one of andrew's works and i think i was reading up on this the other day i reckon it was possibly as a teenage bass (laughs) when i was at birmingham festival chorus society in Mm -hmm. 1987 and it was the second performance of Andrew's cantata, The Marshes of Glynn, which oh, really? was the cathedral, yeah. Oh. And it was conducted by my colleague, Jeremy Patterson. And I think that might have been the first ever piece of Andrew's when I was obviously a teenager. But I was also involved in his children's opera, Odysseus and Cyclops.
3: Yes.
0: And I-
2: I think that was 1988, wasn't it? And Paula, were you also performing in that? You must have been, mustn't you?
0: I was. I was in the children's chorus and we dug out the video recently and I realised that you were there on it playing the piano.
2: Oh, that's hilarious. (laughs) <laughs> well, I read, was that 1988? Was that right? It I was think,
0: around then,
2: yeah. Yes. So that's it. So again, I was still at school. And then, interestingly, I think because we started at an early age, my connections with Andrew then continued into adulthood because when I left university, I started a music typesetting business. Oh, yeah. And actually, I helped Andrew at that point. He was so prolific, he couldn't typeset all of the music himself. Mm. So I helped, if you remember, with a number of the scores. And I did Ballads for Christmas, which is a yeah. marvel for choir and harps and then sonata for eight horns and sonata for violin piano and a whole host of the choral works including oh praise the lord so that was good and then of course when I left university, I started conducting his music. So I was checking my files the other day and I remember Vaini Emmanuel for Choir, the Toccata for Small Orchestra. I've done a number of performances of Symphony No. 2, which is mm-hmm. a work I absolutely love. As you know, written for a sort of classical-sized orchestra and, and a really beautiful work. Yeah. Towards a New Age Concert Overture, which is a great play. And mm-hmm. then I've got very fond memories of the thrilling Concerto for French Horn and Symphony Orchestra, which was, of course, a premiere in mm-hmm, Buenos Aires. Yeah, And then, of course, Celtic Rhapsody with the Midland Youth Orchestra, first in the Adrian Bolt Hall with you and your sister Anna leading the Midland Youth Orchestra. And then, of course, we did it, didn't we, on tour with the Central England Ensemble when we went to Bremen in Germany. In fact, we did it at yes. least a couple of times, didn't we?
0: Yes, we did it three times on that tour, ah. actually. I have very fond memories of that tour.
2: It was good fun, wasn't it? I remember a wonderful spirit. I remember a lot of laughter as well as a lot of great music making.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was just brilliant. I didn't realise you'd typeset all of those works.
2: Yeah, it's quite something, isn't it?
0: Yeah. I'm now going to play the second movement of Celtic Rhapsody for Soprano and Symphony Orchestra. Again, from our recent recording. First, I will read out the poem. The Meeting of the Waters by Thomas Moore. There is not in the wide world a valley so sweet as that vale in whose bosom the bright waters meet. Oh, the last rays of feeling and life must depart ere the bloom of that valley should fade from my heart. Yet it was not that nature had shed over the scene her purest of crystal and brightest of green. 'Twas not her soft magic and streamlet or hill. Oh, no, it was something more exquisite still. "'Twas that friends, the beloved of my bosom, were near, "'who made every dear scene of enchantment more dear, "'and who felt how the best charms of nature improve "'when we see them reflected from looks that we love. "'Sweet veil of Avaca, how calm could I rest "'in thy bosom of shade with friends I love best, "'where the storms that we feel in this cold world should cease "'and our hearts, like thy waters, be mingled in peace.'" That was the second movement of Andrew Downes' Celtic Rhapsody for Soprano and Symphony Orchestra with me, Paula Downes the Soprano, with the Central England Camerata led by my sister, Anna Downes, conducted by our guest today, Anthony Bradbury. I have made a number of music videos based on my father's songs and plan to embark on these ones very soon. You can see my videos and animations at pauladowns.com. You also conducted the premiere of Andrew Dan's Piano Concerto with Duncan Honeybourne and the Central England Ensemble. Can you tell us about that experience?
2: Yeah, I mean, I was very lucky because, of course, Duncan is such a talented and experienced pianist. Mm -hmm. And, And not only that. I always feel he's someone who has a real deep understanding of Andrew's music. I'm aware he's a close family friend, and I mm. always think that gives him a sort of really innate understanding, which I think comes through in his performances. The Central England Ensemble, of course, founded by your sister, Anna, again, so that family connection is strong. I remember a wonderful atmosphere in Birmingham Town Hall and a very deep commitment to the performance. And of course, it's such a privilege always to be in Birmingham Town Hall, where so many musical giants have the apart such as Mendelssohn, Dvorak and of course Elgar have performed. So uh, yeah, very happy memories of that performance and actually a work that needs more outings
0: yeah definitely we actually have some fantastic photos that your wife Jenny took as well don't we we do
2: indeed actually yes I saw some actually on Andrew's website and I've got a few of them on my website too
0: it's interesting you say that about Duncan's playing and his understanding of my dad's music because I did a podcast with Duncan a month or so ago and that can be heard on this podcast series I'm now going to play the second movement of Andrew Dan's Piano Concerto this is the live performance in March 2009 of Duncan Honeybourne on the piano with the Central England Ensemble, led by Anna Downes and conducted by Anthony Bradbury. You can read about the premiere and subsequent performance at Coventry Cathedral on the blog of Andrew's wife and publisher, Cynthia Downs, also at AndrewDowns.com. Sadly, in between those two performances, Andrew fell and broke his back, and the blog tells of how their lives were dramatically changed between the two performances. You can hear the full work and also purchase the CD at AndrewDowns.com, where you will also find the sheet music. And you conducted a wonderful performance of his Symphony Number 1 for his 65th birthday at Birmingham Cathedral with the Central England Camerata. Can you tell us how that went?
2: Yeah, and I have to say that was quite Mm. an occasion. My memories of that performance was that your sister Anna had assembled a real crack orchestra of strings Brass and percussion, yeah, if you remember, uh, which this moving symphony scores scored. And of course, there's a great part for organ. And we had Duncan Honeyball actually at the console. Oh, yeah. So that was another good... Excellent. It was a hugely committed mm. performance from every player. Do you know, I really felt that night that everybody wanted to give your dad uh, a birthday present mm. to remember. It was a very moving occasion. I really remember a, a terrific depth of string tone from yeah. the orchestra and really thrilling moving climaxes in the, in the cathedral with organ and brass and strings at full pelt. It's an amazing, amazing yeah. work. I have to say, when I was preparing the score, Paula, I was very lucky at that time because the Czech Philharmonic's new recording had just been released and Andrew and uh, Cynthia gave me a recording very generously and that was actually really helpful because I didn't know the first symphony before I did that performance and it was very motivating for me to hear such a terrific performance although I have to say it was a little daunting feeling that I following <laughs> their footsteps <laughs>
0: Oh no, you gave an amazing performance. I remember standing there feeling very, very moved by that.
2: It was a great occasion, wasn't it? It really
0: was. Yeah. Here is Andrew Down's Symphony No. 1, Fourth Movement, performed by the Czech Philharmonic Orchestra under Andre Vrabets on their CD of Andrew Down's Symphonies and Overtures released by Artisman label in 2016. You can purchase that CD of the Czech Philharmonic Orchestra under Andre Frabets performing Andrew Downe's symphonies and overtures under the Artisman label at andrewdowns.com. So now back to our recent collaboration, the performance and recording of Andrew Downe's Celtic Rhapsody for Soprano and Symphony Orchestra. How was it for you to return to this work after 16 years?
2: My God, was it really 16 years? That's quite something, isn't it? How nice. Well, the, <laughs> I know. the good news is, firstly, I found my score, which was good. And secondly, <laughs> uh, it was very interesting, actually. I was amazed how much I remembered and not just at a sort of superficial level, I, how much of the detail I remembered. So I think I must have been sort of deeply imbued at the time, uh, which was good. I mean it's always a work I've loved Paula I mean for lots of reasons I mean it reminds me of the Midland Youth Orchestra very happy memories which of course is now no longer in existence because it's metamorphosed into the exciting new CBSA Youth Orchestra but I conducted the MYO for 15 years so it reminds me of those happy times and of course it reminds me of the connection with your family because to have you singing having been a previous leader of the MYO of course plus having your sister Anna leading and, of course, Andrew and Cynthia in the audience and having Andrew having written the work, again, it was a really special occasion. And I have to say the work also is very special because although it was written for the Youth Orchestra, obviously for the NYO, Andrew never writes down to the players. Indeed, it's a real challenge actually in places, but I always feel too it's inspired by the enthusiasm of youth because Andrew gives every single player a satisfying part. I mean, of all the works of his, I feel that there's absolutely no sense of anyone making up the numbers or being underutilised. He gives everybody a terrific part. That's an aspect of the work that I really love. I find that the work has all the hallmarks of thumbprints that I associate with Andrew's music, those wonderful modal melodic lines, the transparent harmonies. And that really clever way he writes rhythmically. So often in Andrew's music, the pulse will remain very steady and consistent, but the music becomes increasingly complex within that consistent pulse, like a sort of intricate jigsaw puzzle. And I find that fascinating and very intriguing in this piece. But of course, all of this sort of mathematics is never at the expense of the musicality. It has a completely direct musical expression, this work, which I love. I mean, to my ears, it's got maybe just a a few echoes of Vaughan Williams, like some other works of Andrews, but also, fully enough, especially in the second movement, a little bit of Benjamin Britten as well. And it's a marvellous work. Now, in terms of the recording, I think we were very lucky to perform the work with you in concert the day before. So yeah. everybody came to the session, didn't they? Kind of really knowing the work. Yeah. And I think that really helped. It sort of gave us a foundation. I was most worried about not overworking your voice during the session because... The tessiture of your solo part lies so stratospherically high in places. Yeah. Uh, But I have to say, like a true pro, you completely took it in your stride. Um, (laughs) Thank you. uh, You really did. And and also credit, I think, has to go, doesn't it, to the recording engineer, Paul Baker, who did a great job preparing the final version.
0: Yes, he was fantastic. It's so lovely to hear your insights into the music.
2: Yeah, well, as I said, it's a work now I've done, what, so twice, it must be probably now five or six times with the tour. And, you know, every time I do it, I feel as though I develop a deeper understanding of it. And I think that's a real credit to the music. It's got great depth.
0: Mm, That's really good to hear. Thank you very much for all that. Here is the third and final movement of our recording of Celtic Rhapsody for soprano and symphony orchestra. Celtic Twilight by William Butler Yeats Outworn heart, in a time outworn Come clear of the nets of wrong and right Laugh heart again in the grey twilight Sigh heart again in the dew of the morn Your mother era is always young Dew ever shining and twilight grey Though hope fall from you and love decay burning in fires of a slanderous tongue. Come heart where hill is heaped upon hill, for there the mystical brotherhood of sun and moon and hollow and wood and river and stream work out their will. And God stands winding his lonely horn, and time and the world are ever in flight, and love is less kind than the grey twilight, and hope is less dear than the dew of the morn. Was the final movement of our recent recording of Andrew Downe's Celtic Rhapsody for Soprano and Symphony Orchestra with me Paula Down, singing the soprano solo part with the Central England Camerata under uh, our guest today, conductor Anthony Bradbury. So there are two questions we ask every guest because they are very important to the Downs family. Why is music education important?
2: Oh that's a good question. Well, I would say, because it teaches us all important life skills, it's about working together, isn't it? Taking personal responsibility, which I think is really important when you're a youngster. But the thing that I always love, it's about the collective achievement. Many independent studies, haven't they, support the view that music assists broader learning over and above music, and I certainly subscribe to that view. But you know what, Paula, music education has to be protected, doesn't it? It's often seen as a nice-to-have, a kind of optional activity rather than a core right for every person person. So we really do have to fight to protect it. I do very much feel that it's under threat today, I have to say.
0: Yeah, it's frightening. And our second question is, why is music good for us?
2: Oh, so many reasons. (laughs) Because it inspires creativity, because it transcends, I think, lots of boundaries, whether that's nationality or language or religious faith or background or upbringing you know it just cuts across all of those kind of boundaries the other thing i love about music is it can fill us with joy or sadness or this strange combination of the two at the same time <laughs> yeah. which i think is a bit unique for music isn't it um yeah, that's true and, and then i guess the other thing i'd say is i feel life and actually education is often very sports dominated and of course that's good because Getting people being active is a good thing and sport also has many things to bring. But the one thing I would say about music is I've always loved the fact that there are no winners or losers in music. Um, I mean, let's, mm. let's set aside music competitions because yeah. <laughs> maybe that's a topic <laughs> for another day. But, but mm. it's about the collective effort, isn't it, which counts for everything in music. And you know what? In a world where I feel that it's becoming more and more divided every day, I think things like music, which is very much about doing these together, the collective effort, feels to me ever more important.
0: Well, those are wonderful answers. Thank you so much.
2: Paula, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you and uh, always a pleasure to talk about doing Andrew's music, I have to say. And and here's to many more performances in the future.
0: Oh, thank you so much for all that you've done for his music. We are so, so grateful. It's an absolute pleasure. (laughs) Thank you and thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Paula.
3: Bye. Bye Bye-bye.